All right, ladies and gentlemen, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman, and today we are talking about the lack of surprises in the Falcons' first padded practice of training camp. We'll talk about the updates to Deion Jones' status with the Falcons and hot take. We'll be talking about Deshaun Watson's suspension and why it doesn't make any sense to compare it to the suspension of Calvin Ridley. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at Falcons.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter at Falcons. And, of course, the host of this preeminent Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family. We thank everyone that makes Locked On Falcons their first listen each and every day. Of course, Locked On Falcons is free and available Monday through Friday on a variety of podcast platforms, including Apple, Odyssey, Google, Spotify. And of course, it's also free and available on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to Locked On Falcons on YouTube and you'll get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops. Give us a bell, hit that bell, give us a like. So uh, Falcons had their first padded practice on Monday. Uh, and basically the biggest takeaway was it sounded like Grady Jarrett was whooping up on Elijah Wilkinson. Um, the Falcons new current option to start at left guard, which isn't necessarily a surprise, but sort of many of the takeaways from camp were that the defense sort of won the day. And so if you were a person that, that was already worried about the Falcons offensive line, then today's practice probably didn't necessarily alleviate your concerns. I, for me, at least I know I just sort of been like, look, I, I'm not worried about the Falcons offensive line because I already know that they're going to stink and I've made peace with it. And, uh, you know, that peace comes by the name of Will Anderson or Jalen Carter at the top of next year's draft uh, as a result of that. And so that's how I sleep at night. I don't know how the rest of you guys do, but uh, you'll have to figure that out for yourselves the other update we got on monday was involving brian edwards who injured his shoulder on saturday uh we didn't really get you know a real prognosis on it but he's basically day-to-day so uh the hope is that he'll return sooner versus later what was notable to me about you know who sort of was seemingly getting more of those first string early reps with uh edwards out of lineup seemed to be demir bird sort of emerging as the the third guy with Edwards already in that top three mix alongside uh, Alameda Zacchaeus and Drake London. And so, you know, that would, one would assume then that, you know, Bird, OZ, Edwards, and London sort of are the top four guys. And uh, that seems commiserate with what, you know, you've been hearing on this podcast as the expectations heading in, uh, to training camp and we'll see sort of how the rest of the wide receiver group sounds like they're kind of duking it out for one or two spots. Um, I personally think they'll keep five wide receivers on the roster. Um, I think, you know, the fact that Cordero Patterson can kind of double as a wide receiver helps with that mark. I think the fact that Kyle Pitts and, and Anthony Ferkser are, are AKA, you know, Swole Beasley, as we affectionately refer to Ferkser on this podcast um, are essentially big wide receivers as well. So you don't necessarily have to stack your roster with six wide receivers. You can just load up the practice squad and, and keep a bunch of guys there. Now, my opinion is that Cordero Hodge is the front runner to be that fifth wide receiver spot. Uh, and so far, it sounds like he's been having a, a good camp so far. Um, I know Auden Tate has been a, a fan favorite in that regard for one of those uh, wide receiver spots. 
and we'll just sort of have to see about him. From what I understand, he's had a solid camp, but hasn't necessarily shown out. For those of you that have missed the boat on, you know, sort of my Auden Tate slander, and I'm only uh, joking when I say that. I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of Auden Tate as a player. I just don't necessarily see him sticking on the roster in, in part due to not having quite the same special teams value as a player like Kadero Hodges and the fact that the Falcons already have two pretty capable X wide receivers in Drake London and Brian Edwards that seem to fit a little bit better with what this team wants offensively than Tate does. But we'll see if, you know, a prolonged absence from Brian Edwards sort of allows a player like Auden Tate to, to emerge, but it doesn't sound like Edwards is going to be out for that much longer. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how the rest of the week goes for the Falcons as they continue uh, you know, training camp, we'll see if we can get some guests on to give their thoughts on what's going on in training camp. But, you know, sort of my overall thoughts on today and, and the last couple of days of training camp is so far, there haven't been that many surprises, right? Today wasn't a surprise like, oh, my God, the Falcons offensive line got, you know, worked over in, in, in padded practice. Ooh, what a what a shock uh, for, for us. Um the only real surprise is that, you know, Elijah Wilkinson has kind of emerged as that front runner to be the left guard. And we'll see how, if he can maintain that, you know, there's been many a player that we're starting in the first two weeks of training camp that we're not starting by the end of training camp. So we'll see how that goes. But like, for me, at least, I think if you've been listening to this podcast and I know based off of the numbers that I was looking at in June and July, that not many, not as many of you were listening uh, and watching uh, in those months. But if you've been, you know, checking us out every single day. Like, I don't think there's too many major surprises as far as training camp goes, as it has gone in this first week um, or less than a week in the first five days of practice uh, so far. So we'll see what continues to develop, what changes over the next five days or so. Um, and we'll talk about one relative surprise, uh, at least based off of if you've been listening to this podcast regularly over the last couple of months uh, coming in the, idea that Deion Jones isn't going anywhere. And we got that from uh, Jeff Schultz of the athletic and we'll talk about that. We'll unpack that as we continue today's episode guys. But before we get there, um, you know, people that know me, uh, particularly those people that know me back in the day when I was going by the name of Pudge on the Falcfans.com forums, RIP, you know, they probably could in, uh, conclude that based off of that nickname that, you know, I was a big fan of cookies. You know, I can take them things down by the sleeve. Uh, and that's not necessarily a healthy choice to, to make uh, as I'm getting older. Um, and the good folks at Built Bar are helping me make better, healthier choices choices uh, because they now have these limited time flavors like the cookie dough chunk puff that gives me all the greatness of cookie dough uh, that I am, want to enjoy, but makes it healthy for me because Built Bars are the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, uh, but they're better than a candy bar because they're taste good and they are healthy for you. They're low in sugar, low in calories, low in carbs, high in protein, high in fiber. And they come in a variety of flavors like the cookie dough, uh, chunk puff. I'm also a big fan of the coconut almond, peanut butter, brownie, uh, cookies and cream, raspberry, salted caramel. There are so many flavors that you can try by heading over to built.com. Order yourself a mix box if you want to try them all. And when you do use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off uh, your order. That's Promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off at Built.com. So we got uh, some news on Deion Jones's current status with the Falcons on Monday, according to Jeff Schultz of The Athletic, who tweeted out, uh, the Falcons have failed in attempts to this point to trade Deion Jones, but have not have decided not to cut him, a source said. 
believing he won't be a distraction to the team and salary cap savings are minimal. The team continues to monitor Jones's attitude and rehab from shoulder surgery. Uh, so, you know, we'll probably have Jeff on at some point later this summer to give a little bit more clarification and context on what this means, but sort of my read on it um, is that, you know, Deion Jones is going to be here for at least the time being. We'll see how that goes. Now, anybody who's, you know, been listening to this podcast on a regular basis, basically since late May has known that I've been pretty confident, pretty adamant, however you want to term it, that we've already seen that Deion Jones has played his last snap in Atlanta. Um, and obviously this tweet seems to cold th- throw cold water on that notion. Uh, what, what's notable though to me is, is Jeff added some additional context and some follow-up tweets. He said, adding context to the Jones situation, the decision on what, whether to cut him has never been about money. He has $20.05 million cap it if he plays, 18.98 if he's cut, far less if he's traded at $5.34 million. It has been more about his attitude and whether football ops wanted him around others. Jones's future with the team certainly remains tenuous and spins off a few things, his effectiveness, work ethic, and whether trade market shifts because of injuries on other teams. So, you know, basically I think the last up that we gave about Deion Jones right before training camp started was the idea that he's expected to be here uh, when camp kicks off. And, you know, Jeff's sort of follow-up tweets seem to indicate that you know, it remains to be seen if he'll still be here by the time camp ends and final cuts are made, I believe, on August 30th or whatever that is. But, uh, you know, for me, I sit here kind of being like, you know, if, if he's not part of the future, then just move on from him. Um, and that's not because I think Deion Jones is this bad player or this locker room cancer or anything like that. I think it's a pretty easy argument to make that he's still the best linebacker on the team, at least the most talented linebacker on the team. And we'll sort of see, you know, if the Falcons do decide to part ways with him, it doesn't sound like a trade is going to happen. Um, you know, Jeff has been vocal in the past 18 months that basically the Falcons have been open, willing, whatever you want to call it to trading Deion Jones since March of 2021, they haven't gotten any seemingly viable offers for him. And that's part of the reason why, despite believing that Deion Jones will not be a Falcon this year, I don't think a trade is likely to happen and have not thought a trade was likely to happen. If it hasn't happened in the last 18 months, there's no reason to think it's going to happen in the, the next 18 days, so to speak. Um, but we'll see. We'll see if something uh, develops by the end of the month. We'll see if something doesn't develop, if, if maybe something develops by the trade deadline. Uh, or maybe the Falcons will help facilitate a trade, as we've discussed previously, uh, similar to how the Browns did with the Baker Mayfield situation by eating some of uh, Deion Jones's base salary, which I believe is like nine point six million dollars. So let's say five million, and they say we'll we'll eat five million of that, and you only have to absorb four four point six million dollars uh, for a team trading for him. That will open up. That will make that trade a much more palatable, much easier for other teams to pull the trigger on. So we'll see if that happens. And I say all this not because I want to sound like I'm bad-mouthing Deion Jones. Um, but to me, it's it's kind of clear, and, and Jeff seems to be implying this as well with these tweets, that 
Like he's not one of their guys. Like when they talked about giving Jake Matthews that extension, giving Grady Jarrett that extension, they were like, he's one of our guys. You know, they talked a big game about changing the culture. You know, Terry Fontenot talked to the media Monday morning, talked about a lot about makeup and character and, and how that's the most important thing. And it's again, it's not because I think Deion Jones is a bad character guy. He's just not really a leader. Um, and that's been something that if you've been listening to this podcast since like 2018, we've been talking about, he's not the guy that's going to hold other guys accountable, uh, on defense. Like you want that middle linebacker, like you want that quarterback of the defense, the guy that's going to wear the green dot, call the defense, be in communication with the coaching staff and communicate to his teammates. That's not really Deion Jones's thing. He's never been that guy. He's not going to be a guy that's going to hold other people accountable because he's not necessarily accountable because he's out here, you know, kind of freelancing and doing his own thing. Um, and that's fine when you have other players around him uh, being able to do the things that you want them to do and allowing Deion Jones to, to, to be the playmaker that we know he's capable of being. We, we've seen you know, him over the first four years of his NFL career be this outstanding playmaker because of his coverage ability, because of his speed and his range, that he can make plays that other players can't make. And we saw that regularly over the first four years of his NFL career. We have not seen that on a regular basis over the final two years of his NFL career. And for me, I just, I feel like it's time to move on Uh, again, not because Deion Jones can't be a productive player in this league, but he's clearly not part of the solution to this team. And and certainly, you know, keeping him around, hoping that a trade that hasn't developed in 18 months is going to develop in the next six months. I just think, you know, just cut bait and move on, you know, and and move forward and, and hope that Troy Anderson can be not only the, the coverage Maven, the speed and range, Maven, but also have that sort of high character and and be more of that alpha, be more of that quarterback of the defense that you want moving forward. And so that to me is, is kind of the direction I guess I would like to see the Falcons go in and we'll see if they, they wind up moving in that direction. But uh, sort of the last thing I'll say about it is, you know, I'm, I'm not going to base even despite Jeff saying this, like I see no reason to change my 53 man roster projection. Um, to, to include Deion Jones on it um, until we get a little bit more clarity on this issue. And I, I don't think necessarily th- these tweets provide that clarity because basically to me, what they say is like, nothing is imminent. So he'll be here when he's healthy and then we'll see. And, and I guess we'll, we'll sort of see. Uh, and we, we know that, you know, the Falcons are known to say a certain thing and say, we love a guy. We want a guy here and then change those plans a week or two later. Uh, and if you don't know what I'm referring to, I'm referring to the whole situation with Matt Ryan and, and Deshaun Watson from, you know, March. Uh, and that will sort of get us to what we'll talk about the rest of today's episode and sort of my reaction to Deshaun Watson's um, suspension, my defense of the NFL in, in that regard, my not my confusion over when people compared Deshaun Watson's suspension to Calvin Ridley's. And we'll we'll unpack all of that. As we wrap up today's episode, I'm sure there will be zero controversy from those statements as we continue today's episode. So make sure you stay tuned. Uh, but, uh, you know, we thank everyone that makes Lockdown Falcons their first listen, but I always recommend your second listens. And why not make it the Lockdown Sports Atlanta podcast family, where you can find three shows hosted by four people giving you the lowdown on all the local sports as well as national sports. I'm sure uh, the uh, Jarvis Davis and, and Tinesha Batiste. Uh, ATL Day Ones and John Chuckery from Hitting Hard and Mark Zeno from A to Z will have different or similar opinions to me on this whole Deshaun Watson 
scenario as well as Falcons training camp. So go check them out. Also on Locked On Sports Atlanta on YouTube. Uh, you can also uh, check out the Locked On Braves postcast. And that will also be the home of the Locked On Falcons postcast where Jarvis Davis and I will be breaking down every Falcons win and loss this season. Of course, Locked On Sports Atlanta, not only on YouTube, is it free and available on all the same podcast platforms that you're currently checking out Locked On Falcons. So um, let's wrap up today with the most controversial thing statements I'll say. And I know some people will hear what I say and think, Oh, this is classic Aaron being contrarian. He's always doing that. And that's fine. Um, and like, I want to make it clear because what I'm about to say is not really a defense of Deshaun Watson. Right. Uh, I, I want to make it clear that my opinion on Deshaun Watson is I believe in my opinion that Deshaun Watson is a sexual predator that he used his status um, to basically coerce women into you know, that were in vulnerable situations uh, to do things and we won't get too deep in, into the things that he was doing. And that to me makes him a sexual predator. I feel like Deshaun Watson was deserving of being suspended for more than six games. However, I don't feel like the criticism that the NFL as this larger entity has gotten in this regard is fair, right? Like, um, you know, it wasn't really like Roger Goodell that was out here, suspending Deshaun Watson. They wanted to suspend him for longer. Um, but it was like Sue Robinson, a third party, uh, a federal judge or whatever she is. Uh, no offense, the honorable Sue Robinson who decided on the six game suspension. We'll see if the NFL appeals it and decides to tack on more games. Um, and we'll see how that plays out. It doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, as I understand it and I don't understand it all that well, uh, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it will that suspension will automatically go through because then Watson can sue and then that will lead to the suspension being lived. It's, it's a whole legal issue. So we'll see how all that plays out. But, you know, for me, I think a lot of reaction to Monday's news that Watson was only going to get six games has led to a lot of criticism towards the NFL. And, you know, I'm not necessarily wanting to die on the Hill defending the NFL because the NFL is kind of dumb in a lot of ways, if I can be frank about it. Like, you know, particularly when it comes to making these rules, whether it's the personal conduct policy that Watson uh, violated, whether it's, you know, uniform policy and, and people having socks too high, whether it's their performance enhancing drug policy or their substance abuse drug policy when it comes to marijuana and weed and whatever the case may be. I think the NFL has a lot of bad and arbitrary rules and it's silly to sit here and defend the NFL in that way. Um, but I, I feel like just, you know, attacking Roger Goodell for not giving Deshaun Watson a long enough suspension. I don't know. That, that doesn't feel quite real. Like if we're going to attack the NFL for anything, it's really less about Roger Goodell and the people that are deciding the discipline of Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. But it's really about the people in the NFL, these individuals in the NFL, the Jimmy Haslam's, the Arthur Blanks, the Kevin Stefanski's, the Andrew Berry's, the Terry Fontenot's, the Arthur Smith's, the Gail Benson's, the David Tepper's, et cetera, that were willing to look the other way when it came to Deshaun Watson's transgressions. Um, to basically look at, you know, a potential sexual predator, uh, an alleged sexual predator in Deshaun Watson and be like, you know, we're good. We're good on that. We'll, we're willing um, to make him the face of our franchise. And I, I think that's more an indictment of NFL culture. But at the same time, like, you know, we could sit here and again, I, I don't mean this as a what about ism or anything like that, but we can certainly sit here and indict 
you know, our culture as a whole, our, our, the failures of our justice system, our legal system, when it comes to sexual assault cases. And we talked about this with uh, Daniel Lust uh, back in March about how, you know, the legal system, it doesn't do a great job of, of treating these cases in the way that it did. I think it was a failure on their part. And I, I don't basically, long story short, is I, I don't know if it's quite fair to basically try to hold the NFL accountable for something that our legal system can't even quite do. And and then you couple that with, let, you know, let's imagine if Deshaun Watson had gotten that year long suspension. I know Roger Goodell and the NFL were foot pushing for 12 plus games. Let's say that they, they would have gotten a year long suspension for Deshaun Watson. Okay. He's suspended for a year. He, he loses a million dollars, you know, uh, on his contract. And then he comes back next year with the Browns is the starting quarterback still got 20, $229 million in guaranteed money over the next four or so years uh, on his deal. And, and it, you know, it's all back to normal. And so like, this is part of it where like, you know, I feel like for years, and I remember telling this to uh, my fellow locked on hosts a couple of years ago when we were talking about them expanding the playoff format. And I kind of was just like, yeah, I think, you know, part of the business of, of doing this, of covering this league is, we often get into the cycle of like, we complain about something the NFL did and then we just kind of move on. And I get, I don't have a solution to that uh, of breaking that cycle, but like, I don't know, I guess, I guess, I guess my solution is to be like, I guess I'll complain less about the NFL and that I don't think that's a good solution either. So um, I don't know. I, I guess I just, it just feels easier to me when I, when I, when I, I think it's easier to just sort of blame the NFL as this nebulous entity um, and so again, while I think Deshaun Watson certainly was deserving of more games, I don't know how you kind of resolve this exact issue. I don't, I don't think there was uh, basically what I'm, what I'm trying to say is I don't think there was a, a correct suspension that would have rectified the situation. We all would have been like, you know what? The NFL did this right. It was, it's just kind of a no win situation when it comes to stuff like this. And that's, you know, we live in a society, part of that stuff or whatever the case may be. Now, the other thing I wanted to add to this is, is about, you know, Calvin Ridley. And, you know, I, I see the, these two suspensions kind of juxtaposed often, particularly from Falcons fans, as well as Falcons media um, of like Calvin Ridley got a year for doing this uh, for gambling. And Deshaun Watson only got six games for doing what he's alleged to have done. And like, I understand why people juxtapose those things, but I, I just feel like it's not, they're not comparable. Like they're two separate issues. They're, they're, they're two issues. Like, you know, Ridley suspension falls under this policy, the gambling policy, you know, Watson's suspension falls under this other policy. Alvin Kamara's suspension will fall under, uh, you know, maybe I guess technically the personal conduct policy, but you know, DeAndre Hopkins suspension falls under PEDs and whatever. They're all different policies. They've all been collectively bargained and whatnot. And so like, trying to compare the two and being like, we should bring, we should, you know, I, I don't know if that's a winning way the the NFL can handle it by like, we'll just have one policy for all things. And I think part of it is like the NFL is not really constructed to deal with like sexual assault in, in those things. Like the NFL is perfectly constructed to deal with gambling and PEDs and how long your socks are. Like that's what they're here to do. Um, and particularly with Calvin Ridley, you know, this is a rule that he violated that's longstanding rule that people have known about for 60 years. Um, you know, we, we often talk about on this podcast, how very few things are black and white and there's shades of gray and, and whatnot. But like, to me, this is one of the rare instances where it is very black and white, where Calvin really broke a, a pretty obvious rule that you, you can't break. And so I, I don't 
quite understand the whole like free Calvin Ridley movement uh, that you see from, from Falcon fans. Like I'll, I'll sit here and defend Calvin Ridley, the football player all day long. It's part of the reason why I'm so critical of Arthur Smith. Cause I, I look at Arthur Smith. And I'm like, how bad a coach are you? If you couldn't figure out how to utilize one of the 15 best wide receivers in the business. Uh, but when it comes to Calvin Ridley and what he did, you know, frankly, he's, he's, a, he's an idiot. He's a moron for, for doing what he did. And again, I, I get why people juxtapose those issues because they look at what Calvin Ridley did um, and say, oh, it's, a, it's a victimless crime. And even then it's not even calling it a crime is not fair because it's not even illegal. Like you or I could have done what Calvin Ridley did and, and get on our phones and, and put money on the Falcons. Uh, and we wouldn't have gone to jail for that. And now you're sending Calvin Ridley away for a year. And meanwhile, you know, what Deshaun Watson did on the opposite hand is the exact opposite of a victimless crime. And, and it was full, at least allegedly, you know, had many victims, several visits, dozens of victims uh, in, involved with that. And how is it, how are those two things fair? I get why people juxtapose those things, but like, you know, as I said, like, this is what the NFL does, you know, when, when it comes to Calvin Ridley stuff. Right. And, you know, and I, I, I just, don't see how anybody could argue that like the NFL should have gone lighter on, on Calvin Ridley given those circumstances. Now, if you're arguing they should have gone harder on Deshaun Watson, I'm, I'm 100% with you, but why bring up Calvin Ridley? You know what I'm saying? Like Cal, you know, Deshaun Watson's situation to me, it's different. And so when people juxtapose those two things, I just don't think that's right. So that's kind of how I kind of feel on it. Again, I know that's a spicy take here. And again, I'm not trying to sit here and defend Deshaun Watson. You know, for me, it's, it's a, to me, it was just kind of a no win situation for the, for the league. And we'll, we'll see how this thing continues to play out. But, you know, there was, you know, as, as many people would sit here and be like, well, they should have banned him for life. Like, okay. Like, that's a perfectly valid opinion. And I don't want to sit here and, and, and say that other people's opinions on this are, are invalid or anything like that. But like, you knew that wasn't going to happen. Right. Because then he would sue and it would be caught up in court cases for like four years. And all the while he'd be allowed to play football and collect a paycheck while he did that. So like that wasn't really a realistic outcome. So it was basically like sit him out for a year. And then, you know, again, were we going to sit here and be like, okay, well, he got his just desserts because he he missed a year of football, lost a million dollars, had to pay whatever he has to pay in, in settling all these civil suits against him and then he just goes back to making millions of dollars playing for the Browns and it's like we're all good I, that's that's kind of the larger point I'm just saying like to me it was just kind of a no-win situation for the NFL and and sort of we'll see how it continues to play out it's it's not quite over I guess we'll see if the NFL appeals it and wants to tack on more games we'll see how Deshaun Watson if he decides to, to sue over that and, and and do all those various things so um, probably not the last time we might have to talk about it on this podcast. So I, I am more than willing to hear what you guys think about that situation. You know, I'm, I'm eager to hear your feedback. You know, all I would say is like, you know, if you disagree with everything I said, you're more than entitled to having a different opinion. I would just say, you know, be respectful. Uh, we don't necessarily have to make this personal when it comes to the stuff we can, we can talk about this. Um, and, you know, I'm also curious sort of where are you guys at with, Arthur Blank and Arthur Smith and, and Terry Fontenot. I, I know a lot of Falcon fans, you know, either refuse to believe that the Falcons were interested in Deshaun Watson. I, I know a lot of Falcon fans put it all on Arthur Blank or Rich McKay or whoever, you know, and, and try to pretend that, you know, 
Terry Fontenot and, and, and all those guys had nothing to do with it. I, you know, I think that's kind of being naive. You know, that's part of the reason why I tend to be a lot more cynical and skeptical about this regime. Cause I'm like, you know, the same people that were willing to bet it all on Deshaun Watson are also the same people that you guys have confidence in or know what they're doing when it comes to rebuilding this franchise. And that's part of the reason why I just kind of sit here and I'm like, okay, like, you know, you do you. Um, but yeah, you know, obviously provide your feedback. Obviously I'm not necessarily comfortable talking about these things, uh, which is why we don't talk about them that much, but uh, um, I'm eager to hear what you guys have to say about it. You can provide your feedback by hitting me up via email at lockdownfalcons at mail.com. You can leave a comment here on lockdown Falcons on the YouTube channel, or you can hit me up on social media, either at Facebook or on Twitter at lockdown Falcons as well. Uh, we'll be back obviously to talk more about Falcons training camp and less about this, but Obviously, you know, I've expressed my opinion. I'm more than willing to to hear what you guys uh, and gals have to say about this subject and and tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why you kind of agree with me. Tell me why, you know, whatever. I'm I'm more than willing to hear that uh, on this stuff. So that will do it for us, guys. Uh, Appreciate it. Uh, Make sure you check out Locked on NFL if you want to get more insight into what's going on around the league. I'm sure those guys will have something to say about the whole Deshaun Watson situation as well as Locked on Browns and sure many other people have thoughts on it moving forward so that is going to do it for us here guys uh check out locked on nfl as your second listen locked on sports atlanta locked on braves locked on hawks locked on bulldogs etc so appreciate it guys till then